Beardy and the Beast, The Second Wall. This is placeholder intro song. Welcome to The Second Wall, a binge-free zone where we look at a series and discuss it in small chunks, similar to water cooler conversations of old. We can be found on most pod- podcast platforms and social media platforms, full list of which can be found at beardyofthebeast.com. Today we'll be continuing our discussion on Carolyn Tuesday. There will be light spoilers around episodes 13 through 15. It's me, 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 and Drew. Army of two. So, Drew, did you get your conflict? There was conflict? Yeah. I found, I thought there was conflict. But or at I... least sets up for conflicts throughout this one. Well, there definitely could be conflicts. More importantly, there was Skip. There was Skip. I was excited <laughs> when I saw Skip. I knew you would be. <laughs> I, was, I went, yeah, it's Skip. <laughs> I, I think I actually wrote down that that would be your reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got, um, it's got lead up. Uh, I mean, it's definitely the start of a new season. Yeah. Like, you can definitely see the it's got that seasonal build so it was definitely small um like a small build very very similar to the first season yeah there's a lot of routes that it could go there's definitely going to be something with that that news reporter but i guess (laughs) i guess overall i wasn't i wasn't impressed with the feelings regarding tuesday's family and the news reporter like I felt the politicking in the series so far just jarring. It was antithetical to the atmosphere that had been developed over the first season. So yeah. I wouldn't say it pulled me out. It just was unexpected in a negative way. That's that's fair. Um, I think, obviously, I, I know um, the politics isn't something that we generally want to focus on on this show. Mm. Um, so some of that jarring i mean we know this is based off like it's in the same universe as a couple other series mm-hmm. right uh, so it's space dandy and, and cowboy bebop i don't know if there was anything like this in those mm. that might that might connect so there's that possibility um i do know that you know from other anime like you know think of gundam and and, and such where mm. there's always the mars there is that mars versus earth thing where mm. So it felt a little odd to me as well every time I've watched it because one, it can hit a little too close to home with current climates. And I don't know if there's more to that in the rest, rest of the world. But at the same time, again, Mars versus Earth is not... It's not unheard of. Unheard of trope. I'm just for me the the series was you know, the adventure of these two girls and the, the growing cohort around them and old Nemesis's Nemesai. Nemesis's yeah. Nemesis's I. There you go. Nemesis's I. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> becoming becoming friends. And that's kind of what I've been experiencing. And then we have the the comparison of authenticity versus uh, things that are manufactured. So then when it 
the the only thing i liked about the political side of it was it gave me more spencer mm-hmm. and it showed how much like he cares about his family yeah and the the future of his family so if i were i'll 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 give it some slack. I'll let it be forgivable just because it means like a character that uh, I was endeared to Spencer was even was more flushed out. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think there's a, a couple of other aspects with that, that may not. So, so the underlyingness of the authenticity and such, I, it was mirrored in the little bit of politicking mm. that we see as well. So from that thematic standpoint, they do actually keep that. I mean, they, they straight up say her policies are coming from an AI yeah, and such like that. So, so I do think that they're trying to, to keep that. I think, I mean, to, to point out things that you want it to, to explore more was a bit more with, you're wondering how it would, how it would come down with Tuesday's mom and, mm. and such like that, right? So that stuff needs to be built up a bit here. Um, but I think this is where where I talk about at least there being some conflict. So again, much more clearly brought out Angela being a rival to to Carolyn Tuesday, and like the the first episode, it's even though they're not conflicting directly, um, you do see the images of Dahlia and and Gus clearly having that rivalry. Um, even the way that their contracts are handled and how they're going with their music overall, right? That the clear different ways between between them. It even though it's not like a head-on conflict, mm-hmm. I, think, I think the conflict of ideas is showing there. And I think we start getting some of that conflict as well again, as you said, with Spencer and the mom and right. And obviously Spencer's a bit antagonistic towards Kyle, the reporter. As he especially should be. When he found out his, yeah, especially when he found out that he went near her sister, his sister. So I guess you're right. So it's not the same type of conflict, but it's definitely more than there was in season one. Yeah. But even then it's kind of periphery. If that's the correct word to use, like it doesn't involve Carol Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Which is exactly what you figured would happen. So it sounds like something I would say. <laughs> I mean, I am pretty super smart, so me predicting yeah. the future is not unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> one, one thing I did notice, though, like if we wanted to talk about 13, I kind of mentioned this before having a feeling or like a primary focus of a specific character Mm -hmm. during each of the episodes, obviously they'll enhance and move along various storylines among it. But I felt like 13 was kind of Angela's episode. Mm -hmm. Um, For one, it was, it was her song that was showcased. Yep. And breathe again. Wonderful track. Mm -hmm. Uh, to me that kind of spoke about how she was continuing to find her independence from her previous situation uh growing to become more of herself yeah and i see that rivalry that she's creating with carol on tuesday 
it's it's not a direct rivalry it is either she wants something or needs something there to push herself along yeah. to motivate herself or alternatively she wants to see what they're capable of um rather than her comparing herself to them right which would be more of your standard rivalry yeah like a, a rivalry between friends trying to better themselves uh, even though they've barely said anything to each other and angela's been kind of a jerk <laughs> but i think they can sense that it comes from a good place yeah well i i, I do agree like I, I breathe again was amazing um i think yeah she was prop. she was even propped up by the stuff that was happening with carolyn tuesday i feel mm-hmm. um right it was showing it's like yes she's getting that contract she's like you can see but but there still kind of has that authenticity versus you know um manufactured feel because again you can see clearly she's got the more manufactured but she's still she's still willing to put the work in she's still like where is my producer i want to do more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is good to see as well right Speaking of, um, for that, um, the producers, how about that intro to Toby <laughs> at the end of the episode? <laughs> I, I, I hadn't had a laugh in a while. Uh, like the, the movies that we have been doing of late on the media club of side, ha- media club side have been very serious. Yeah. So coming into uh, Toby's intro was just, it was refreshing and it was unexpected. And those are two things that the refreshing is definitely a carryover. That's a, that's a feeling you get when watching the first season altogether. Yeah. Each episode is a little bit of a spring breeze for you. Whereas there wasn't anything that was majorly unexpected. Yeah. So just having this like this guy with an axe just like I I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I like Toby's character. You, you don't really see him like obviously episode 14 is where where we start to actually see him. It's like to me he to go with the family analysis that we we've done with the cohort so far he definitely comes across that crazy uncle yeah i'm thinking the same thing <laughs> right um and like it's like yeah that that gruff er, it's all crap but it's the best crap that's what <laughs> um so i i i really appreciate that I like the weird plants in episode 14. Oh, yeah. There's, there's strange <laughs> plants everywhere, and I'm like, mm. <laughs> I'm going to kind of talk about Toby first, but before we go into episode 15, I'm going to dip back to 13 and 14 combined. Um, I found with Toby's character, and again, comparing that to like Angela as well, I think it, again, I think it really played on that 
the theme of the produced versus versus indie mm. and and it kind of gets mentioned throughout these episodes you know, when Gus is talking about the contracts like you know you need to choose right do you want do you want to be making the money or do you want to be able to yeah freedom versus profit have freedom right like you have to decide that and i mean even though the girls were like they wanted both and they got disappointed with the contract that they didn't get the contract I mean, this goes back to that dad thing. It's like, he made the right decision because they would not have. I don't think they would have thrived in that type of situation. Well, that, Um, it does cross out one of my potential predictions from last season, which was that they sign and they're unhappy with their contract and the conflict is them struggling within those confines. Yeah. Uh, which was one of my predictions. So that didn't uh, come true. I, I mean, as, as a story beat, I'm happy that they went indie because overall the theme of that fits better for me. It suits yeah. their personalities and it allows us to see them grow musically as characters. Yeah. But. Yeah. And I think another aspect to that with that um it's do we really need to be seeing basically the two main sides right angela and carol Chizu, do we really need to see them having struggles that similarly i mean we're going to be able to see what can happen with production and such from what i mean like look how annoyed she got when she saw that there was an ai of her and you know she's still doing all that modeling which kind of hated in the first season <laughs> just from from a different aspect right and compared to the struggle of how are we supposed to record we can't afford a a studio or anything right and it's just you happens to get the right people in your corner and you've got one old mic and you know your boy skip your boy skip <laughs> skips my dog <laughs> having that uh I think being able to see that juxtaposition, mm. it's the theming better of what we've seen throughout the show. I think so. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely um, felt that that suited it a lot more. Yeah. I, I actually want to, I want to talk about that Tao and Angela moment. I don't yeah. know if you wanted to cover that later. Oh, we can cover it now. Okay. Go back to the other ones. That. That hit me as the perfect description of the different personalities of Tao and Angela. Like, it makes a lot of logical sense as to why Tao would do that. He'd be working on that song, testing it before it even got to Angela. However, when Angela saw that, she felt unneeded and unvaluable. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is, she wanted to be needed and special in the first season, and that's some of the things that we kind of found through her development. Yeah. So when she felt internally that she could be easily replaced in that matter, yeah. that that it effect, affected her negatively. Yeah. So just that entire encounter made so much sense to me, and the way that they reacted. Mm-hmm. It just it's a testament to how well written this show is. Yeah. And I mean I'm surprised she didn't get even angrier. 
Well, I think some of that again could be that that bit of growth that we did see from her. I mean, when you're when you're going through arcs and in, in storylines, I mean, you need to have your rises and falls, but you can't have your falls bring you all the way back down to the beginning, mm. right? So these are, I think that scene definitely plays on her insecurity, right? It it, it plays on her. Um, kind of craving for an identity that we talked about yeah, in the yeah. past, right? But she's also just found how to breathe again. So she's not letting it take her. Well, she's... Take she, her completely. Yeah, she's she's learned how to breathe again. Uh, she's not adept at it. Exactly. As you could say. I, And I mean, I found it fitting for Tao's character that he wouldn't say anything to like uh, affirm or comfort Angela after that interaction. Yeah. Like you could tell in his head, like the way it's written and the way that it was animated in that scene, he actively chose to say nothing about it. Yeah. And just stand there silent. So yeah, I'll touch this one here a little bit earlier. Um, I know normally we go through the characters a bit more, but because it's relevant now, um, what do you think that's saying about Tao? And, and how he's like, how do you think that reaction shows his character and where he might be going and and such? That might be actually an improvement. So if I'm if I'm thinking about it in that way, I him going and being able to recognize the those emotions, yeah, even though he didn't act on them, might actually be an improvement of his character. Whereas before, my instinct on him was like he wanted to be an AI. Yeah. And I think I even mentioned he'll hear Carol and Tuesday's music and then that'll change him somehow. Yeah. I think it has. And I think that's where they're going to go with this. But he's still methodical. Like he is. A lot of intellectuals tend to be emotionally detached mm-hmm. or very like medic depressive like huge swings in both yeah. directions uh, so it kind of goes either way for very intelligent people and they've set tau out to be one of those people yeah it's, so I'm, it's aloof yeah right. yeah all right so before we move on to um episode 15 I think it's important we touch on Dan. Oh, whew. So I almost cried. <laughs> <laughs> so the father's confession. Like this hit really this hit home for me. Yeah. Like I'm I'm the kind of guy that if I want to feel soft and gooey, I go on YouTube and I watch videos of like stepdaughters you know bringing adoption papers to their stepfathers yeah like that's what gets me emotionally yeah um so the father's confession it it probably hit me really hard because like all i all i want these days is to be to be like a husband and a good father and to like have a daughter yeah i I haven't accomplished either of those but hopefully in the future and 
the I felt that that interaction between Carol and Dan it's the only way it could have went. You can tell that they are similar in ways. Yeah. And they're both very gu guarded. And his whole thing of like all he wanted to do was see her. Yeah. And I mean, I know it's not like a, a forgiveness thing, but her making him promise to come back. Yeah. Uh was really important to me. It's probably the most earnest and honest uh I guess monologue uh that has happened in, in this series. There was nothing guarded about it. There was nothing held back. It was like a straight unveiling of Dan's heart regarding the situation. Yeah. Even though it was disconnected in a third person. Anyways, teary-eyed. And that's why I laughed so hard when she saluted him for some reason, which either I missed something earlier or... Yeah, I don't know. So... I completely agree with you. Um, it is, I think it was done very well. Couldn't have been done any other way. Um, just to not rehash the same things you covered. I'm going to, going to talk about a few of the other things around it. Mm -hmm. um, so we have that, I mean, we've had laundry guy there before. Like yeah. this isn't laundry guy, but you know, kind of in that same, same spot. They, you have that juxtaposition of those two families coming. It's like, oh yeah, we're your parents, right? And you know, nothing comes of it. Like, honestly, I thought when she talked about the bruise mm. on on her dad's hands, like I honestly thought that was just something to get people to go away, right? Because we know she was very young, mm -hmm. right? So you know, it's just kind of nice to have having step in i honestly thought it was another episode before the change happens mm. just had the timeline in my head um a little bit differently so you know just having him in as that protector role like it it helped you know give you ties to the character um it was a nice touch they showed the bruise again i thought that it was I honestly thought the first time viewing that it was just Carol saying something to get rid of them. Yeah, that's but, that's what I thought at first, and then yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, the birthmark when they when they showed that I was like, yeah. oh, it was nice. I was already like, I mean, you you could already tell. Yeah. Uh, but it was a nice little add-in. Yeah, it, it was one of those things that they didn't need to do, but. Again, it's that attention to detail that's been throughout the show where you only mm. need a second to, to show something. Exactly. Again, that, that they had the strength of the character that even if she was making that up, I don't think it would have changed mm. the thought on, on that character, right? Um, because it could have easily gone that, that way as well. Um, I find, I think, the way the, the monologue went and... Because you've got to remember, she straight up said to him that she would be pissed. Yeah. It, right? So he knew that. 
And I, I think the third person storytelling is just to let her know without, and that's a huge risk. As you said, he's guarded mm-hmm. and he opened himself up that way, knowing how bad it could go. And when she called back out at the end for the salute, I mean, I think in a lot of media to go, you'd expect her to say something like dad or something like that. But I think the salute was... Like it was an acknowledgement, but it remained disconnected in that third person sense, such as the monologue. Yeah, it, it was that... And in, in the same thing, what they're saying, like, got to make sure you come back to come back to Mars, right? It was that acknowledgement without. It was an unsaid acceptance. They both knew what happened in that conversation, mm. and they didn't need more than that. Mm. So she can't run up and give him a hug, right? But she wanted to call out. So now that she did, she had to do something. Yeah. So that that's where I sit. Makes sense. Uh, that. The show's really good at playing in those heartstrings <laughs> when it wants to. <laughs> well, this this was the first major one for me. Uh, but they they don't just throw it against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Each time they go for a heartstring, they know which one they're trying to pull. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think I think that's why the only other time where it almost got me was Gus having the conversation with Carol on the the rooftop cafe or whatever. Yeah. Uh, talking about going and rescuing Tuesday. Yeah. Because that was like another fatherly moment. So I guess I wonder what that says about me. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like you referenced in episode one or episode two a, a moment that almost got you, but we happened to be doing like another, they said we've done a lot of kind of those strong emotional movies in the media club. And I think, I think your actual response was like, yeah, but I just watched this. Yeah. So it didn't have the effect it wanted to have <laughs> because of that. Um, I can't remember exactly which one that That's, was, but that beside yeah. the point anyway. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. So episode 15, the final one for this here. I'll tell you what, before we get into this, I liked the little callback with Gus and the little AI, mm. where it didn't say his name right away, because that was a callback to the Ertagon thing where he couldn't get in there. Well, this is episode 15, so it's actually where we're going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going back to one of the other episodes for some reason. <laughs> yeah, episode 15 called back to, like, episode oh, yeah. two or three. Yeah. Yes. I noted that, too. I... Just that fear in his face that he couldn't get in. I I laughed. I I really enjoyed that because I mean I like most of these characters for all different reasons, but yeah, that silliness of him possibly not being able to get back in, yeah, would have been great. Yeah, a couple of the key points before we get really strong into it. Um, I really appreciated the girls' drive to keep getting better. Mm. Right, they they found that trying to do that that recording session just drained them, right? And they're like, "Okay, no, this we need to do something," and they pick up running. <laughs> it's just those little those little details. Like that's why they're going to make it. They're putting in the effort, 
as soon as they recognized they needed it. Yep. And put everything else aside because that was what they're focused on. So I really appreciated that. And then, and yeah, we go into the bulk of this with uh, Desmond. I think Des Desmond didn't really hit me in the way that I think they were supposed to. Okay. I felt like uh, I was supposed to get attached to Desmond and then feel some form of loss when they passed, but I didn't. Like, I recognize the importance of each of those moments and, like, the sage things that they were discussing with him. Like being true to oneself and their emotions and that people will be able to pick up on that empathically. Yeah. That was the big lesson that Desmond taught. But as a character, that's all they were to me was that lesson. Yeah, and that's fair. I, I, I don't... So... I agree with you. Like, I don't think... I don't know if his if he directly was supposed to have that emotional resonance. Mm. And I'm going to say this for a couple of reasons. I, I, I think you actually saw more what it was supposed to be. Because mm. um, I, I felt the same way. If they wanted to have that emotional, that type of emotional resonance, why would they do this the episode after mm. Carolyn right? So it, it's, I think this was more, you have this person Again, who's a legend? So again, similar ways that we saw Crystal, we saw Skip, right? Where they come in and, and kind of impart those knowledge that they're bits of wisdom, right? It's a character that is the great, one of the greats of the industry. And him, I think, again, it, it's playing more to that authenticity, right? Mm. It, it, it's it's that accentuation. and. Right, I mean, he's he had a whole bunch of lines. Like again, like the you're like fools, honest to a fault, and that's why you're great. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that. Uh, they're stupidly frank, honest, and sincere. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that that's what he was there for. So, I think in a way, maybe he was supposed to be a bit more of that you know, the viewer proxy that you talk about or that like the, the bit to help explain. So if you're not musically inclined and for some reason aren't getting the emotional beats from it, mm. he's going in and, and explaining that a lot more. Um, I think him, and he didn't pass, I think he was in a coma, right? Because he was attached to the heart monitor. I think it was more that him not taking his meds to have that final song with them, knowing what it would cost him. It, it's just more of that... knowing what's what's important to you and to him it was important to be able to sing to them more what? so and the reasoning for that makes sense to me because he's he's heard their music and was interested in them so he knows that they would be able to understand the emotional resonance of the song mm -hmm. so for for that encounter like it makes sense that way 
Yeah. But I guess... I mean, I, lo I love my boy Skip, but he didn't, you know, he didn't really have an emotional impact. Uh, <laughs> so, so if the, you know, if the sage elder tropes continue true, Desmond would follow true to Skip and Desmond, or not yeah. Desmond, uh, Skip and Crystal. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I liked his scenes, I liked his... Again, but yeah, I see it more as that accentuation to the to the heart of the show. And yeah, I, I don't think it was supposed to have that oh god impactfulness because if it did, if that's what they were going for, it would have been cheap. Considering all of the other impacts that we've had have been over the course of two episodes. Mm. They they've been you know giving this time to build. Well, it does it does highlight the like manufactured versus authenticity. There's a reason why Carol Tuesday were invited, not Angela. Yeah. I I I can't imagine that Desmond doesn't know of Angela. Yeah. But knows of Carol Tuesday. Yeah. So. It might just be the show being a little bit more on the nose for people who haven't caught it yet. Mm -hmm. Uh like these characters path yeah the authenticity on authenticity that they represent yeah and i think with with that like it's he touched on a lot of the themes that we've actually kind of talked about in mm. backgrounds so, so to kind of play on that more um he very much talked about um because the the way the radiation is affecting him or where it, it it's um basically changed him to intersex and he talks about how he had he's starting to feel having both halves of him mm -hmm. um the idea of finding what you're singing for and how he thought he lost that when he lost the person he loved mm. and then finding the new reason with the people around him that type of thing so I think a lot of that is is what they're trying to do. So, again, as you said, it's to help point out those themes that, in case you haven't quite gotten it yet. Mm -hmm. So, makes sense. Yeah. That way. Yeah. So, any other major plot points you're wanting to talk about with the episodes, or uh, I did I did notice that Army of Two was a the song was kind of. Just a solidify solidification of what we already know about Carol and Tuesday as uh, individuals and as a unit, as an individual yeah. character as well, like their solidarity. Yeah. And I mean, that's what that song was about in in my head, anyways. I agree, and I really like how it's juxtaposed, like the juxtaposition when you're looking at the season reflections with uh, <clears throat> with the lonely scroll. <laughs> Mm. Right. It, it it's that exact opposite and um Well Loneliest Girl was them seeking something or someone. Yeah. And Army of Two is they've they've found that and they're together now. Yeah. Hmm. Well, 
That, that's what I've always felt with it. So we kind of mentioned, talked about the tonal, the bit of a jarring tonal shift um, already. So I'm not going to ask about that one. Um, where do you think we're headed next overall? Uh, probably more of the same. Uh, maybe a little bit of inter interpersonal conflict between Tao and Angela. More comedy between uh, Dahlia and Gus, which is, that's a rivalry I'm beginning to really enjoy. <laughs> the more togetherness. Uh, and then probably some nonsense about politics from uh, Tuesday's family. Right. I mean, I'm really curious as if there will be some impact about the whole, like, Carol being a Earth refugee and her father who's going back to Earth, but then also the anti-Earth policies that are being done by Tuesday's mom. So I'm wondering if that will come, come to a head, and maybe that'll be, like, an end-of-the-season thing. Like, if that's going to be a theme... That's probably going to be one of the major ones. But I don't think it will be. It would be too jarringly different from the first season. But I mean, if they do go that way, they'll probably do it well. Right. And it will be... It'll have as many layers as an ogre. So... <laughs> it'll definitely be something that could be pulled apart, but... And that I'm not getting anything yet. It's definitely a slow burn beginning, much like yeah. our season. Yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> we talked about Dan. So, just because we've got a little bit of a new cast of characters, I'm Kyle, the journalist. Don't like him. Want to punch him in the nose? <laughs> Any reason why? Uh, seems sli slimy to me. Alright. Just in the same way that any, like, political reporter or reporter with an agenda comes off to me. I just inherently don't trust them. Uh, Alright. I think they all have ulterior motives. And the fact that he, like, was harassing my, you know, my girl Tuesday. Freaking... <laughs> She's 17 year olds, 17 years old, and she's got this job at a cart trying, you know, just serve people delicious tasting snacks. And some rando greaseball comes up and starts harassing her about her family. I'm not down for that. <laughs> I wish Dan Did he came. Know? I wish Dan was around. He would have stopped that. <laughs> Did, Did he harass her, though? I don't know. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> um, something that was mentioned very briefly around Angela. They did mention a Black Knight. Yeah, I'm hoping it's not that I forget his name, the dude with the orange juice and the champagne glass or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the guy. <laughs> I hope it's yeah. Sybil. <laughs> It would make sense to me. It would be out of nowhere. But if it's... If they want to throw a real twist at me, it's going to be Tao. If they're going to make me go... 
if they're gonna make me be entertained by it, it'll be Sybil. But if it's the uh, the guy with the orange juice and the champagne glass, I'm gonna just world's biggest groan. Oh, but there's the assistant too. From last season. She was super cute. Like just the personality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My vote. I want it to be the former assistant. I think it's most likely out of all the things I've said, champagne class guy or Tao. All right. Um So uh what are you thinking is going to be happening with Angela? Uh there'll there'll just be some mild friction between her and Tao, and then she'll have another moment of like when they figure when it was expressed to her that the entire building was to like sense her. Yeah. And she like suddenly understood there'll be a situation like that, which will kind of smooth it over. I don't imagine that there'll be anything explosive between town Angela. She'll continue growing and, uh, becoming one of my favorite characters. Which means I say that about every character. <laughs> no one's as good as skip. <laughs> They've made very likable characters. <laughs> All for different very, reasons. Very, yeah, very real characters. All right. Um, anything with Tao outside of kind of the couple of theories you just tossed my way? No, I think I expressed it more when we were talking about um, Kim and his kind of what I see his development was from season one to season two. Yeah. Um, so, and then of course, Carolyn Tuesday more of the same right yeah it their beats are longer yeah and they're definitely more complex and subtle yeah whereas the major or not major major is the wrong word the more frequent changes are the characters around them yeah so i didn't see much here i i am wondering when carol is gonna tell tuesday about dan and if she will, because those are two separate things. <laughs> if and when. Yeah. More questions than predictions this time. They definitely left it more open-ended. Mm -hmm. But I think the next three episodes, at least, are just going to be more of the same. Given that I've learned a whole lot from watching the first season and the Tale of Princess Kaguya about Japanese storytelling with your yeah. assistance of course your your sage like skip like wisdom <laughs> so i i think yeah slow ramp up there won't be much we'll probably have one silly episode that's guided around angela and then a episode that's related to just tuesday something more guided towards her uh, and then one for both carol and tuesday all right we'll um wrap it up there thanks for huddling around the second wall with us here tonight uh, join us next week as we discuss Requiem for a dream at the media club week after that we'll be back with more caroline tuesday please join the conversation in the comments or on social media as we'd love to get your thoughts on caroline tuesday and if you think we might be important nutrition for the heart give us a share